When our first child, Felicity, was born, uh, I discovered a game which extended families seem everywhere to love playing, but which I'd never really appreciated up until that moment. It's the game of guessing who in the family the new baby most looks like. And so people would file through the hospital and they'd look at Felicity in the little tub and they'd say stuff like, wow, you know, she's really got a mother's eyes. Oh, gee, she takes after the Smith side of the family, doesn't she? Now, I'm looking at this little red wrinkly thing, (laughs) thinking it looks more like a lizard than anything else, and yet people would still persist in saying these sorts of things, who she most looks like. And, of course, as time has gone on, some of those predictions have come true. Felicity is well and truly past the lizard phase and she definitely does show some family likenesses, especially like Sue, thankfully. Whether you like it or not, you probably take after your parents some way as well. Family likenesses are a thing. Now, friends, family likenesses are also a thing in God's family. That is what this morning's passage is all about. These are passages all about how when you are a brother and sister in Christ, that's just not a name, there are actually certain ways in which you are like Christ. You share a genuine family resemblance with Jesus. Now, why does John want to tell us this? It's because this idea of sharing a family resemblance with Jesus, it turns out to be a pretty exciting truth which links together some of the other things that John has already said about us as Christians earlier on in the letter. This is now the second instalment of 1 John this year. Uh, In February, March, we had a look at the first couple of chapters and we discovered there that John is written to Christians so as to reassure them that they have eternal life. If you've got a good memory, you might remember that. And so far, John has made the point that, of course, Christians have eternal life because the sign of anyone having eternal life is that they follow Jesus as the Christ, they love each other, and they take sin seriously. These are all characteristics of a genuine Christian. They follow Jesus as the Christ, they love each other, and they take sin seriously. They're the sorts of things you'd expect to see in someone who has eternal life. And now, this morning, we start to see the reason why. We start to see that the underlying reality that connects all these things, following Jesus as the Christ, loving each other, taking sin seriously, they're all signs of eternal life because they're all family likenesses being a child of God. And that is who we are when we follow Jesus. Let's see how it works. Firstly, in terms of our family, and secondly, in terms of our family likeness, because that's pretty much how the passage fits together. It firstly kicks off with a description of the family that we have become a part of as Christians. Chapter 3, verse 1. How great... How extraordinary, how massive is the love the Father has lavished on us. Not just given us, not just shown us. How great is the love he has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. 
Now, do you hear the amazement in John's voice in those words? How unbelievable is it that you and I get to be the children of the God of all the universe? It's sort of ridiculous, really, that the God who simply spoke the word and every single thing you can see spun into place, we get to call him dad. We just talk to him in prayer as our dad. We're his children. Now, the reasons it's so amazing is, of course, we don't deserve to be his children and we weren't always his children. There was a time when we were very much not his children. And look, I realise that there's a bit of a school of thought that says that everyone is God's child. You know that sort of idea that just being human, just by virtue of being a person, especially all the little boys and girls, we're all God's children. It's a nice sentiment. It's not what the Bible says. God's children are a specific subgroup of humanity. Not everyone you meet this week will be one of God's children. I don't know, maybe very few of the people you meet this week may be God's children. Because God's children are only those who follow Jesus Christ and who trust in what he has done for them. That's what John is getting at in the first bit of verse 1 when he says how great is the love the Father has lavished on us. The love that he's referring to is how God has sent Jesus into the world to die on a cross in our place. Next week, John is going to say, this is God's love, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Because you see, by doing that, by laying down his life, by loving us enough to sacrifice his one and only son in our place, that's how God makes it possible for our sins to be taken away, for us to be forgiven, for us to be washed clean of every single thing we've done wrong, and we get to be his children as a result. We get adopted into the family, not because we deserve it, but because Jesus lovingly laid down his life so that we could be. But here's the thing that John especially wants us to get this morning. When, by God's mercy and love, when you become part of the family, you actually take on a very real family likeness. There are certain ways you are actually like Jesus. And the particular likeness that he wants to emphasize this morning is the likeness of obedience of not sinning. And he explains this in terms of, surprise, surprise, being like Jesus and being very much unlike the devil. Verse 2 now. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Okay, might have to think about this one a little bit, but notice there in verse 2, he's talking about when Christ appears, future tense. So he's looking into the future, he's thinking about what it's going to be like when Jesus returns, and his point is that when Jesus returns, we, the children of God, as members of his family, will be seen to be similar to Jesus. See that there? We know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. How shall we be like him? Well, what he's got in mind is that we'll resemble Jesus by being sinless, by being spotless, that we'll be seen to be without sin because Jesus has cleansed us. And because we'll be seen to be like him, sinless, what do we do now in the meantime, verse 3, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just to see as pure. Now, getting your head around this, I know that not always John is straightforward in the way he words things, but what he's getting at is, as Christians, we're the children of God, okay? How great is that? 
And a day is coming when Jesus will appear again. And when that happens, it's going to be obvious that we're the children of God because we're going to be seen to be like Jesus. We're going to be seen to be pure as he is pure. And because of that family resemblance that's going to be so obvious in the new creation, well, we purify ourselves now. We live out the family likeness that's going to be so obvious into the future. Indeed, this family likeness of purity and purifying ourselves, it's not only true of Jesus' future appearing, it's also true of when Jesus appeared in the first place. Look now at verse 4. Everyone who breaks, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared. Okay, it's now past tense. We're talking about not Jesus' appearance in the future, but his appearances the first time, like in all the Gospels. Verse 5. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has ever seen him or known him. Again, you're getting the point? It's not only in the future when Jesus returns that we'll see that he is pure. It's also when he appeared the first time people saw that he was pure. In him is no sin. In fact, the whole point of him coming was to take away sin. He went to the cross to remove sin. All the more reason, therefore, verse 6, that no one who lives in Christ, no one who follows Jesus, no one who's in the same family as Jesus keeps on sinning, it goes against the grain of who we are. It goes against the grain of the family that we're part of. There's a sense in which we can't help ourselves but to not sin because that's our family trait. You see it in Jesus, both when he appeared back and in the future. I mentioned our daughter Felicity before. When Flick was in infants and primary school, there were actually occasions when Sue would go along to school functions and teachers would come up to Sue and introduce themselves to her by saying, man, you've got to be Felicity's mum. I can just see that from a distance in the resemblance. Well, that's the children of God, us, and Jesus. Jesus is pure. He is without sin. You see it in the Gospels. You're going to see it when he returns. And you see it in those who follow him. Because in the family of God, godliness is a family trait. And John really drives this one home now in the strongest possible terms by describing how being like Jesus is the same as not being like the devil. Check out verse 7. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. See, there's that whole family resemblance thing again with Jesus. Verse 8, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. They can't go on sinning because they've been born of God. It it is a sad sign of the times that paternity tests, you know, blood tests to establish proof of who the father of a child is, uh, it's a sad sign of the times that they are very much on the increase in Australia. 
whether it's a bloke trying to shirk their responsibility and pretend that a child is not actually their own when it is, or whether it's a mum who sadly doesn't even know who the father of the child might be, paternity tests are becoming more and more part of everyday life, 10,000 a year and rising. They are becoming so common that there's even a push to have mandatory testing of babies at birth to head off trouble down the track. John is saying there is a paternity test of whether you are in God's family or whether you're in the devil's. And it's not a blood test. It's an obedience test. Because the devil, he's into sin. He's been sinning since the beginning, John says. Ever since day one, the devil, he doesn't know anything else but to resist God. He wants to test God. He wants to squirm out from doing what God says. And so the person who is like that, the person who just keeps sinning, the person who doesn't put up a fight, the person who's always looking for excuses to not do what God says, well, that's a family trait. You can tell whose kid he is. They are. But God's children, see, they're the complete opposite. God is righteous, and as we've already read, his son Jesus will be seen to be pure when he comes again. And even the first time he was here, he was without sin. Indeed, he came to destroy the devil's work. And therefore, verse 9, no one of God will continue to sin. God's seed remains in them. They can't go on sinning because they've been born of God. They are strong words, aren't they? When you're a child of God... You just don't sin. Because John says God's seed remains in them. God's seed abides in them. God's seed resides in them. In other words, God's nature is within us. The family resemblance is a real thing. His spirit is actually part of us, which is something John's going to explain a bit later on in the next chapter. But the point here is crystal clear It's summarised for us in verse 10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who doesn't do what is right isn't God's child. As God's children, our family resemblance is we don't sin. And if we continue to, it raises some questions as to who our real father might be. God's children can't go on sinning. Been born of God. Now they're strong words, aren't they? Don't misunderstand them though, okay? This is not saying that you're not an authentic Christian unless you're perfect. He's not saying that God's children simply don't ever sin ever again. That would contradict something he's already said in chapter 1 about Christians being people who actually admit that we're sinful. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. He's already said that in chapter 1. And so it's not now that within a couple of chapters he's changed his mind and he's saying that Christians don't ever, ever sin. Now the point of this here is that how out of place it is to sin, how out of character it is to sin, How inappropriate and against our nature it is to sin now that we are the children of God. And so when he says in verse 9, we can't go on sinning, 
He's not saying it's impossible for us to sin. He's saying it's inconceivable that we would sin. He's just making the point in the strongest possible terms that it's hard to imagine that we would sin. It's just like Bill Shorten handing out how-to-vote cards last weekend for the Liberal Party at the polling booths. That's not going to happen, is it? It's simply unbelievable that that would happen. I mean, I guess it's technically possible, but it's completely inconceivable. That's us as God's children and sin. Of course you can technically sin, but it's completely inconceivable that you would want to. Surely. And so being mean-spirited and malicious and gossiping and pulling someone apart behind their back for something they did or said, you don't do that. You can't do it. You're a child of God. Giving into pornography or substance abuse or, or gambling, you can't do that. We've got to get it into our heads who we are. Lying. Making up stories so that you look better than you really are. You can't go on sinning like that. It's not who you are. Rocking up here and not lifting a finger while everyone else runs around serving you and your kids. Stop it. You can't do it here. It is just inappropriate. It's it's a denial of, who, of what Jesus has done. It's a denial of who you are. It's a denial of the family that you're part of. No one of God continues to sin. God's seed remains in him. You can't go on sinning. Friends, if this is not the way you think and act already, please start doing it. Live out the family likeness. When a temptation comes along and you're tempted to do something which is wrong, you know, don't whip out a list of rules and say, you know, I better not do that or I'll get into trouble. Think to yourself, hang on, hang on. That sort of behaviour, that's not me anymore. That sort of selfishness, that's not me. That sort of bitterness and anger and, and laziness, that, that sort of inability to not serve or love. That's not me anymore. I'm a child of God. No one of God continues to sin. God's seed remains in me. I can't go on sinning. And friends, this is not a corny visualisation trick either. You know, it's not like, you know how in those self-help courses they they tell you to visualise something and it will help you achieve it. Uh, Picture yourself being successful and it helps you become successful. Uh, see yourself driving the red Porsche and you will be driving the red... That's not what he's talking about here. This is not visualising something that you hope to be. This is realising something that you already are. And that is profoundly energising. Because correctly understood, this passage about not sinning it's not here to put us on a guilt trip, actually. It's actually meant to enthuse us to, to be obedient. 
and to purify ourselves. Friends, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we get to be called the children of God and that is what we are. So when temptation comes this week, and it will, and you feel that pull to give in to bitterness or or, or laziness or anger or selfishness or depravity or mean-spiritedness, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Because that's exciting. And we're not running around ticking off a whole lot of do's and don'ts. We're living out a family likeness. And no one of God continues to sin. God's seed remains in them. You can't go on sinning. We've been born of God. How about I pray? Father, thank you for this passage. Thank you for the, the strength of its language to us. And therefore the force of its reminder of how wonderful it is to be your children. And that we have your seed abiding within us. And that you have actually made us like Jesus. Father, these are all extraordinary things. And we'd like to ask please that that by your spirit and by your word this morning, you'd keep working in us so that we would indeed be obedient children who honour you, that we might renew our minds to see ourselves for who we are and what you have done for us, so that we will not continue to sin. Amen.